This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. You're listening to a live stream recording of Brain Fuzz on site from their residency at the Temporary Arts Centre in Atlanta. It's messier than usual, in a good way. In this episode, Joe and Matthew speak with artist Joe Perugini about his work, his connection to the natural and post-natural worlds, and the specific works on view at the Temporary Arts Centre. Here we are. We're still here. We're still here. They have not shut us down. And we're here with Joe Perugini. You know what? What's funny is every time... Hardest working man in Atlanta. He is. But (laughs) what's funny is every time I say, you know, I'm talking about Joe, and so I was like... Perugini or Camus? Really? Am I yeah. in that esteem? Uh, yeah, really? Yeah. And they're yes. both this Italian jersey. Is it a troika? You have to have three for a troika? We need another Joe then. But I'll, I'll take that. Uh, that's good. Um, that's tough. Well, my associate director has a Joe as a husband, and so she's always saying, my Joe. Uh, when she talks to me. Like, <laughs> like I've confused that. I, yeah. We can't uh, guarantee that there won't, we won't be interrupted by the no, I'm anal- gonna, I'm gonna it. analog messaging center. The dumb waiter. I'm gonna ignore it. Don't yet. Don't yet. It's like a what bee's nest. It's a it's like a poor man's dumb waiter slash pneumatic tubes. It's basically an air shaft with a broken banana clip on no, a string. Okay. You pull this, and that piece of paper there that says. We could take it out, put it back. It was on there, so we left to so keep the authenticity. Yeah. We didn't do want to do a complete intervention. <laughs> you didn't follow the rules, You're right? No, <laughs> the one but uh, but we've had a, a, a weird string of communication, and we weren't fully prepared. We should have written all these questions out ahead of time. Well, we didn't mimeograph them. We didn't expect we didn't the more volume. traffic in the analog world than the digital world. So then, then they no actually forced. Yeah. They actually forced um, the activation on us. Like we didn't activate and then request, but they. You know that little box next to Wiro's painting on the wall up there? Okay, no, I I yeah. didn't notice it. That's. I have to go look for it. So you were in Venice. Correct. When was that? Two weeks. That's amazing. And now the floods. Yeah. So I got to see it before it disappeared. Cataclysmic, they say. Yeah. yeah. Apocalyptic or cataclysmic? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> I'm guessing the place we were staying would have been impossible to walk to because we were right on a canal. And, um, and the water was right up to the edge of the water. Some of the pictures I'm seeing right now are under. Yeah, it's really crazy. People with uh, garbage bags up to their waist. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad. So what were you doing in Venice? Uh, well, we went to the... I wanted to see the Venice Biennale. And, but um, the way my uh, relationship with my wife works is that if I want to spend three days looking at art, I have to spend six days hanging out in uh, resorts. That sounds really rough. That sounds <laughs> yeah, terrible. No, it's not a terrible thing to have be forced to do. So we went up to the Dolomites... It, it enjoyed them, saw them for the first time. Gorgeous. Lake Garda, which is also northwest of Venice. Just gorgeous uh, lands, landscapes. And, um, then we went down and we spent three days in Venice, visited the Pinot, 
So was this in the back of your mind? Like, that, I mean, you're a pro, but I have to say, like, this is an epic scale. Do yeah. you like? You obviously thrive on that challenge of like, all right. In addition to your hundred jobs that you do for Georgia State. Well, this. In fact, it was funny because I went home last night and I said to Didi that this is the stupidest thing I ever did. <laughs> this? This. <laughs> well, then you're doing pretty well. <laughs> and it was just... <laughs> what time was, was this? Was this this like... was about midnight okay. when I got home. And, you know, that's after getting up and doing my other job. Yeah, your day and, job. Uh, and then coming here. So it was... It was and I, I got to say, I don't know if I would have taken this on, oddly enough, if... It wasn't for being the director of the school um, because I felt like this is, it would force me to get in the studio in a way that it's really easy to make an excuse not to go to the studio. Where if I had this big undertaking, then I had to go. And it worked in that respect. I did get to the studio, I did accomplish this, but it was, it was just a stupid idea. <laughs> but like, so if we if we go if we go in the brain fuzz um, time machine to a year ago, though, I remember you know again Hathaway is coming down, and you had a a very large installation in that space, and it was a similar type thing where it was like clocks ticking, yeah. Um, which again, from when you watch it from the uh, sidelines, it's like it's very impressive to see the decisions that you had to make, like what type of media you're going to use. All right, I'm going to use screens and stencils and. Uh, an airbrush or whatever like I mean so something must have it appeals to you or is it just like it's, yeah. it's a way of just shocking the system or well I gotta say early on when I first moved to Atlanta my first few shows here in Atlanta were doing uh, installations right in one location doing uh, wall drawings um, my thesis exhibition was a wall drawing that I took over the whole gallery so oh, okay. I, I, I like that kind of and I guess it's from, I was, did do sports growing up, and there was this kind of moment where you practice, you practice, you practice, but then game time is like you go and you have to perform. And I like that uh, ability to sort of just show up and try to do something on, on demand in that way. That um, typically is not your art practice. The art practice is that you sort of build something over Well, I feel like I'm on that side and still, like, button up against deadlines and cursing, and I look at, like, a lot of yourself, but a lot of the folks that are in this show, like, you guys all seem to thrive on that one, two, three, go, and it's like, yeah, I went to bed at four, and I was back here at seven. Yeah. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? You know? Well, you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but these are, re these are re repeat offenders. Like, it's... Yeah, that is yeah. that is the point. And, you and know, I guess like, in community, I'm sure it's contagious, but I'm just like, man, I want to go home, yeah. take a nap. But going back to what you first said, like uh, the show at Hathaway, I don't think I would have done this or committed to this if I hadn't experienced it uh, last year yeah. in that situation. And, you know, I did that piece in two or three days. I don't remember how long it took to do it. But I kind of went in, I got everything together, had all my resource, you know, source material, and just went at it. And it turned out really well, and I was happy with it. So um, in the end, I was thinking, okay, I can do this. And But this project was very different because um, it wasn't on the wall. 
it was on those canvases, and the canvas is a very different surface, both uh, physically and psychologically. And it's how many inches? Hundred. It, it's probably. I, I can't do the math in my head, but I, I it's got to be sixty like, or seventy feet. Okay. Of, Times eleven feet tall, sixty uh, linear feet, seventy. Feet Did linear. you have a dream one night? Like I need to make like what? Where did that come from? Or you stop? Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. obviously, if we're in a huge sixty-six thousand yeah. square yeah. foot warehouse. There's huge walls. What made you come up with that? Well, you know, after the show last year, I did a mural in my studio on a studio wall, and just naturally. Uh, unlike the, the piece in uh, Hathaway, which was a continuous piece, uh, and it sort of ebbed and flowed in, throughout the space, this somehow took this, uh, you know, iteration where it had these panels. It was on the wall, it was a continuous wall, but it had a section, and then another section, yeah. and another section. And that was the kind of uh, impetus to say, okay, well, I can do a, a continuous mural that has... Breaks. Breaks. And in the end, these pieces don't really flow together like a continuous mural, but it worked in the sense of having big finished panels and then a break and then another panel that was different but worked together in some way. And I got to say, this I didn't see them all together until last night when I was hanging. And it was a little... Uh, I don't know what the word is, but I was like worried that it was going to work together because I, I was happy individual with a lot of the pieces and a yeah. lot of the parts of the pieces, but I didn't know how it all worked together. So. But isn't that usually time? Because that, that, that's something brain fuzz therapy kicks in. Yeah. But um, like I find myself like freaking out. Like I need a lot of time to look at stuff and see if it's worth a damn. Sure. And I think what's great though is if you do have that deadline, sometimes you're like, I, I just don't know, yeah. and then it's on the wall, and then sometimes you're like, oh, it actually works. Like, I, I wonder, like, are you kind of going through that same kind of... Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think I do better when I don't think about it too much. I mean, I, I, it's kind of crazy to think about, you know. Not at all. But sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. I'm like, oh, just one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, and by, before you know it's destroyed. And there's something about that uh, quick deadline where I'm like, that looks good. Let's move to the next problem. That looks good, you know. So, do you uh, destroy work, or do you? I, do you if, if it sits in my studio too long, absolutely. Really? Yes. Now, destroy or repurpose? Uh, repurpose till it's destroyed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, because like what I, what I'm thinking of. So we call it the Downs Pavilion, but um, which literally didn't exist yeah. two days ago. Right. I, yesterday it was being primed. So yeah. William has a, and it reminds me of yeah. kind of your space. It's like a role reversal. Last time at Hathaway, you had you know yeah. an enclosed three, at least three walls or four. Yeah, yeah. Four. it was yeah, it was three. And now you're flat on the wall. Um, yeah, but, that's interesting. Uh, but like to be in that company of where like there's that fearless performative aspect where William shows up. I was here when he showed up the yeah. other day after a busy day of doing other things, and it's like he's clocking in, and he's. And he was here till you know four in the morning, like three. And days. you know, just having experienced the the difference of working on a wall, that kind of hard surface, and, yeah. And a, um, and you know, drywall is just such a great surface. It's like working on um, watercolor paper. Yeah, it absorbs. Canvas is not. Canvas can be unforgiving. 
until you get enough layering and, and manipulate it. So what presses me, not so much his, uh, how quickly he worked or, or what he achieved, was that he was doing it on canvas, <laughs> in, in that big stretch canvas. That was, that's really impressive to me. Because it, it doesn't feel very different to, than what he did on the wall. And, but that surface, just having experienced it, is very different. So going back earlier to what you said um, about not thinking, you get the best results when you... There's also prep, though, right? And there's subconscious prep sure. that happens. So how much of that is... I mean, do you, is there is there a moment when you feel like you've, um, you're ready now to not think about it? <laughs> like yes. you have enough of an idea and then... Yeah. Well, what... I, I got to say, I, again, the change in materials was uh, offered the, the most challenges. And um, everyone, if you go and walk around the back of those pieces, everyone is sewn on the edge. And in the case of the, the cabinet piece, it's sewn in several panels. So it has like those curved parts. And then every piece has like these grommets on top mm. that are sewn into it. All that I did, and I was working on all of that, that took a lot longer than I expected. So that was probably a month or two of just sewing these giant canvases. Really? Yeah. And getting them prepped. And then I started, I put them on the wall and just started painting on them. And immediately they started wrinkling up. (laughs) And so then I had this whole kind of, oh, I have to prime them. And then uh, how do I do that? I have to, uh, you know, staple them down. And then... You know, just the physicality of doing that on that scale was really challenging. And so it's funny, the painting was not the challenge at all. It was all the other stuff of getting it so it could be maneuvered to come here. Um, yeah. Far more, I mean, if, if I had like just a pristine wall, I probably could have done all those paintings in a week or two. Yeah. Where it took me... Did you enjoy that side? Like some artists that are able to use, you know, assistance and all that. And I think that's a gift that if you can delegate. And yet, um, like a lot of that process stuff, I find myself, uh, that's almost the joy, uh, the joyous aspect. Because, like, I don't have to think. Like, okay, I'm gessoing and I'm using my squeegee and I'm sanding and I don't have to make creative decisions. But I know what I'm doing for a few days. And it's like, you can kind of almost, like, be processing maybe what the work's gonna become, but um, but meditate. it almost sounds like you're like. Would you rather have handed that off? Like if that stuff was all processed, prepped, and then it's like you get to come in and be like art director Dave LaChapelle and some assless chaps and just go. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I'm not very good at delegating. Uh, I don't. I wonder. I don't. I wonder. I don't know if it's a painter drawer thing, but like, I think most people like probably aren't too good at delegating. Yeah, and you I know? think like, part of it is that I'm, you know. I, in fact, I did uh, reach out to a student, Evie Sawe, uh, and she's did an amazing job for me in the last few days. And you know, I felt like, you know, I even said to her like, I'm like, I think I want you to do it this way, but I'm just going to watch for a minute because I'm still. Figuring it out. Yeah. And it's weird. I feel like there's so many times that I'm still figuring it out. That's sure. why I can't delegate it. Right. And, if, yeah. and you know, if it was something where I was like, okay, well, I, I need 
50 of these, and uh, then it would be easy to delegate, but I don't ever seem right. to come to that conclusion that I need 50 of these. It's like, I need one, and I need to figure it out, and then I need another one, and I need to figure that out, and <laughs> I need another. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'd probably be more successful. I could figure out the... <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, all right. So now that you've brought it up, what is success? Oh, I don't. That's a great question. I, I I do feel like I'm successful. I mean, Jesus. I mean, I'm the director of a school. You know, I I, I feel like you know I, I I've contributed not only to my own success, but you know, looking around this show. Yeah. You know, there's so many of our students who have graduated and doing amazing work, and then all our graduate students upstairs. I mean, I I definitely feel like. I've contributed to that. Yeah. And I could die today and be happy you know, for that. So, yeah, well, uh, but The reason I ask this is there's such a, a there's an expectation. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you know better than I probably that, that there's an expectation of success and what that looks like when you get started creating and, and working yeah. as an artist. But then at some point, you start to realize that the greatest reward is maybe not what you envisioned. It's something sure. else. I agree. And, you know, I still have that fantasy of being in the Whitney Biennial. You know, I think that's the same one I left uh, high, I mean, college with. You know, like, that, that was my idea of success there. And, you know, that still sits in the back of my mind. But, I, you know, I tell this story all the time, you know, like when people say, what is art school good for? And I, and I say that, you know, when I was at UGA... I was with this graduating class that was just a great graduating class. It was the undergraduate uh, shows were just one after another. It was just breathtakingly good. And, you know, you fast forward 15 years, and I'm the only one that's actually making art. I mean, it's not 15 years now, but at the time, it right, was yeah. 15 years, and there, I was the only one actually painting anymore. Yeah. But every one of those people were successful. They... Uh, one guy went on to write for the Nashville and he did this wonderful uh, weekly thing. He did drawings that went with this. Uh, another guy worked for uh, um, National Geographic. Another one went to work with Cartoon Network. Another one started a branding company. I mean, it was like the, the stuff they did creatively that stemmed from that experience at UGA was pretty amazing. So... It, it, it's a very different like I agree like if you just have this fixed idea of like you got to be in the Whitney Biennial unless you're not successful it's just you're going to be disappointed but if you have an expansive idea of what success is it could go anywhere well it's tough adapting though. I mean it, it, you know just as you know the seasons of life things change and your goals change and it's difficult to adapt sure but, Don't you um, think success, though, is just like the fact that you're still, you know, like making mm -hmm. work despite, you know, raising, oh, raising kids <laughs> yeah. successfully, you know, running, running an art school, teaching, you know, I mean, that's because most people find so many other things to, to do rather than I, I need to write that article, yeah. you know, or whatever, build this business. There's always a million excuses, and I think as artists we hear that all the time because people project onto, oh, you're so lucky, and but it's like no, it's also like again looking at all the people here that are gonna be absolutely exhausted from the four in the morning to seven a.m. shift here, but um, they're happy and they're crazy, but 
Yeah. Uh, you know, but again... You know, looking at Scott, we talked about this, looking at Scott. Oh, yeah. There's something about Scott when he's just productive and he's, you know, and, and, and we were messing with a wall, you know, a week or two ago. And... Oh. He, there was an error... And it's like it didn't matter. He was happy that he had to move a whole other wall and re sheetrock. (laughs) Yeah. No. I mean, I seriously, it would it would be difficult to not like throw something down, like go and clear your head. Yeah. Get back in there. Yeah. You know. He's like, what are are you guys doing? We're like, got a couple minutes. Sure. And let's move this giant ass wall that could kill us all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But there was a joy in that. Oh yeah. uh, He loved it. But again, you know what you're doing for the next couple hours. Yeah. Instead of maybe like I got to solve this painting problem or whatever. I, I just find him to be this uh, real incredible problem solver. Like he's interested in you know figuring something out and something as simple as like his paintings where he has the drip. It's like I want every drip to be exactly the same. So he created this thing mechanism so that. He had all the test tubes that were... That's right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. And, you know, it's like, I just find, you know, when you look at his paintings, you may not see all the machinations that go into making it work. The simplicity of the painting is not, sometimes not revealed fully because there's so much thought that goes into it, and getting it right, and being able to reproduce it, too. Yeah. You know, so, you know, he'll make it perfect one time, but he can make it perfect again and again and again. Well, so, so he told me something one time, and I, and he said that that, when you put that little, the mechanism up there and everything's dripping, there's a point when um, there's a loss of control. And so, initially, I looked at the precision, like you were talking about at the top, yeah, specifically, but... And I said, well, it's just the precision, precision. And he says, no, actually, it's about the loss of control. And it, that stayed with me. Yeah. Because he's going to be okay with whatever happens at the end. And, and since he's since that conversation, I've noticed in some, yeah, it's yeah. towards the end. Yeah, it, it, they start to merge. Sometimes. They start to merge. And, and yeah. But it's interesting... <laughs> You know, I don't know why I just thought of this, but there is like this study, like if, if you um, eat a hamburger from McDonald's once a week, it tastes exactly the same. And they go to great lengths to make the hamburger taste exactly the same. But if you ate three McDonald's hamburgers a day for a week, you would taste the difference between them. Because <laughs> you start to get, hmm. meat, you know really focused in on the nuance. Of, wow. <laughs> and before so it's true. Before, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that, you know, it's I think of that in terms of what Scott does. It's like his loss of control is very different than my loss of control, <laughs> you know, like in the studio. Because he's, he's seeing that kind of wavering, perfect at the top, wavering at the bottom is a loss of control. Where another artist might see, you know, a loss of control is really wildly different kind of. What does uh, your loss of control look like? Um, I tell you, a lot of my loss of control happens early on in the paintings when I uh, when I just make a gesture mark and I, I kind of start because I, I kind of 
little riff a little bit on what I do. And you, I'll start with a painting with an idea of where I'm going to go, but then I'm riffing off what I'm doing, and all of a sudden I'm way off the reservation. You know, I'm, I'm trying to... I'm, then I'm thinking, okay, do I try to pull it back or do I go with where it's going? And that's a kind of a very di different thing for me. Do you want to be surprised? I do. Or at least I think I do. But then... then oh, like good surprise. <laughs> well, of course. But like, but also, like most of us, if we see something that we don't yeah. know or we feel like we're lost, then we'll go and white out, paint over. Like, yeah. You, you, you there's, just, there's a little bit of fear of being off it. It's like the uh, Milan Kundera thing where the unbearable lightness of being. You want to be out of a relationship. You don't want to be tied to what you're doing. But as soon as you're out of that relationship, as soon as you're untied, you feel uncomfortable. You can't bear it. You know, so I think that about that in the studio a lot. Right? You you want to push yourself to somewhere new, but then you don't want to be there. You know, so that's that constant tension between those things. I, I grimace and I'm like pinching my leg. I hate to ask this question, but like when I'm thinking back to uh, a year ago at Hathaway, but like where, where's Cy Twombly in your world? It's funny. I I never was a huge I, well, I shouldn't say that I was never a fan of his work, because I love his work, truly. I just didn't know of his work early on in my development, and discovered him later, and absolutely loved it. But it, it wasn't one of those things that influenced, influenced me in the same way that Rauschenberg did. You know, like, Rauschenberg was a huge... Uh, you know, and I would say Rauschenberg for lots of reasons, and, and I'll, I'll, sometimes I talk about this in artist talks, but his bed piece particularly like, was really a huge influence because I was going to UGA. Um, I lived in New Jersey, went to New York a lot, uh, learned a lot of what I am as an artist from going to the Museum of Natural History, not from the Museum of Modern Art or the Metropolitan. Never went there. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I do too. Like everything I know about sculpture, installation, painting comes from looking at dioramas, not from going to the Museum of Natural History. Uh, sorry, the Museum of Modern Art or Metropolitan. But after I went to UGA and had to take art history classes, I was like, you go through the art history book and Museum of Modern Art, Metropolitan Museum of Art, like everything's... Yeah. yeah, so I made a point to go there, and um, when I saw the bed piece, that was like a paradigm shift in the way I thought, because it's like, it's representational, it's a bed, but there's not one mark that's representational, it's all this abstract, drippy paint, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sculpture, it's a, um, you know, an action painting, it's, uh, it, it's just... It blew my mind that you can do all that. You could be loose. You could pull up paint. You don't have to be painting something. You don't have to be looking at something. And you can make something that's representational. It was really... Uh, that is still, to this day, is one of those things that comes back in my work a lot. Mm. In a way that Twombly, I mean, of course, the, the mark-making... But I, I guess to, I'm just thinking of the scale and just even the, yeah. the freedom that you have of what you're placing in the, on the picture yeah, plan. Yeah. You know, just not so much, not imagery or not in any way saying it's derivative, but just like there's sure. a fearlessness um, 
in, in the way you're constructing compositions and, the, and just the scale. How, how do you react to Bruce Nauman's work with the... Uh, I, I just remember seeing a show recently and somebody, I think I was conversing with someone and they were just like, ugh, hard to look at, you know, hard to work with, you know. It was clear that his world was so far from their world, you know, the, the uh, of course there's the taxidermy, but then there's the, I mean, I don't have a problem with the, with the um, animal figures and the, you know, as much as I do the, uh, what is it, the clown movie. Um, yeah, clown torture. Yeah, clown torture. I can't handle that. Yeah, I cannot handle that. I seriously can't. That's one of the first like pieces. Of, yeah, it's in there. It's in the top ten. Yeah, of like work that I can't handle. But how do you react to that, and has that played a role? I love Bruce Nolan. I truly do. Like he he was a huge influence. In fact, one of my first shows I had here. Um, we called clown torture. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> and I did it with a, uh, an art, uh, artist and fellow student named Cecilia Kane, uh, who also loved, hated clowns. And so the whole show was all clowns. Oh, and it wow. was this giant mural slash three-dimensional uh, piece. Uh, but just everything, you know, there's so many of his pieces. There was a piece in New York that I saw years ago where... Uh, you're chasing your tail. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, video screens where you're walking towards something and you only see yourself passing. Mm-hmm. And so you see yourself from behind, so you're always chasing. I mean, it's just such brilliant work. And it is challenging, you know, like the, the, the yellow triangular room. Like you figured mm-hmm. out what's the most uncomfortable room that could be made, and he made it. And yeah. then he invited people to go in it. I mean, there is that kind of, uh, and I, I, I think there's something about. I'm always in this weird space where I'm trying to invite people in and reject them at the same time. Like, uh, yeah. you know, so I'll make something that's cute but disgusting, or cute and, and frightening, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know. So that I like that space between those, and I, that's definitely influenced by Nauman. So, oh. uh, so was at the studio recently, and uh, it was a you know one of those like donor evening kind of things, and um, some guys that I had not really known until that night, they were blown away by the work. Uh, I want to I can't remember what it, it, was, it was. Squirrel in a. Um, Oh, it was the rabbit. It was a rabbit? Yeah. And it's... Can you describe that? Because I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to mail it. I assume it's the rabbit that was too small to fit in the bell jar. No. <laughs> um, let me tell you something. It was... Uh, it was... It was disturbing to this person in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, disturb for them, it was just... But to watch someone digest that yeah, intellectually... It, other verses flip on the phone and scroll, you know, left or right, and move on. Like, yeah, yeah. If you can get somebody talking, looking. I mean, every conversation we've had tonight at this table, it's been that same thing. How do you yeah. get somebody beyond five seconds? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm trying to get them to buy. It. All right. I was really, I was really trying to, you know, because I said, look, you put that on your desk at work, and people are gonna 
Yeah. Because he had, I can't remember how you had it in your studio. You had, there's, it's, it was sitting on a desk, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. So it was just sitting on a, a steel desk. Or a credenza. Was this yeah. is like a Glengarry Glen Ross moment. Ah, uh, well, I'll always be closing. This is a high powered kind of situation. Nice. He's he's probably got credenzas. And I thought, <laughs> you know yeah. beautiful opportunity here. Yeah. But it, it 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 was intriguing and horrifying to this person, I could tell. Yeah. And you know, and he's not a big animal rights guy. Which leads me to my next question. Have you run into um, a little bit. I mean, people would not go to. I I heard this vicariously that people wouldn't go to my show because they heard there were dead animals. So it, there was this kind of. Just for the record, though, I've never killed an animal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I use animals that either uh, I've found or um, are already dead in yeah. my work. So, um, and and I'm I just say. For the record, I'm, I'm a terrible taxidermist, so it, it's just what, thankfully, my skill level matches my desire to make bad taxidermy. You know, so. <laughs> but, you know, just, just, and the other thing that's worth saying about that piece is I, I bought the bell jar and I ordered, there's a, a website that uh, sells frozen rabbits and uh, mice and other rodents and they're sold to zoos to feed the oh okay yeah right. you know so that's what exists for us for people who own reptiles to have yeah. uh, live meat or yeah. you know fresh meat and so they sell them frozen so uh, and you can you know you order it by size and animal yeah and so I I ordered the bell jar the medium-sized bell jar, and I ordered the medium-sized rabbit. Thinking Your FedEx of, guys like this guy's like, how did they? How, how, how does it arrive? Is it? Is it? Well, the the rabbits arrive in. A, it, they come separately. The bell jar comes from one yeah. company, and yeah. the, the rabbits come in a, a cooler. You know, yeah. it's like it's you know, yeah. and and it's so, like Blue Apron, just you know, yeah, right. it, it's yeah. very much the same. You know, and so. The funny part is I'm thinking, okay, it's a medium rabbit. It will fit comfortably into a medium bell jar, and I'm going to make a diorama in the bell jar. Well, a medium rabbit is three times the size of the medium-sized bell jar. And I thought, what the hell? I got both of them. I'm going to make it work. Uh-oh. There's some, like, chicken cutlets for you. <laughs> it just, I, ran, I stuffed it and then rammed it up as far as I could get into the thing. Oh, that would have been a nice night in the studio. And that's what the, the gentleman was, like, uh, responding to, is yeah. how ridiculous that is. Like, Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, this is funny. I, I, I kind of embrace and lean into my thalamus. You know, Do you want my failings? Like what I'm not, I like my inability to do taxidermy. You would think someone would go, well, I shouldn't do taxidermy. I'm terrible at it. Yeah, I go, I'm going to do more of it. That's why we have punk rock. Is that the spirit of like a Mike Kelly or? Yes, and I, I mean, I, I gotta say, Mike Kelly was a huge, huge, huge influence. I worked at um, Metro Pictures, and I got to hang 
his work for three different shows at the same time he was having his first Whitmore uh, Biennale or Biennial uh, experiences and got to talk to him about the work and wow. you know just it was such a huge and uh, when I found out that's he a Jersey himself, translation I, I, you know I, I yeah that's my father <laughs> Houston are you serious yes it's a Houston it's not Houston it's Houston Houston it's a Jersey thing yeah you wouldn't understand no I know I don't know oh there's my god there's clearly an H there it's Houston but then you get Houston and that just and then whatever <laughs> Houston yeah uh, I I heard a uh, another famous Athenian recently speaking uh, Michael Stipe and uh, I've never heard him really invoke God in a t- you know he always would go the other way but apparently you know that he comes from a long line of like Methodist preachers in the family or as so he said but he was talking about that like literally the mistakes that's where you know the good stuff resides but he literally said that's where that's where God resides the thought was like wow that's really heavy but in terms of all the mistakes, all the... And I think most of us, you know, that are, like... It's humbling, like, to teach, you know, and you realize, you know, you're, their students are looking at you like, you are you must know how to draw perfectly, or if you're painting how to... You know, and you're like... Yeah, I'm figuring it out. Yeah, it you know, and it's like, you've got some... Yeah, I have my skills, and then there's things where you're a little bit shaky, and it's probably that where you have probably maybe the most unique aspect yeah. of where you're most pure. yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, like it's like your handwriting. You can't fake your handwriting. You know, right. it's there. And his uh, is. It's getting, it's getting kind of crappy. I don't know. Oh, you serious? Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. slipping. Well, what do you guys think about the show? I mean, you've been through it. You know what? No, I no, I have, I can't. I haven't been through it enough to be able. Really? To, no, because I was in the lead up, and then today was like he needed three different types of tape. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of last minute that I was not. When well, were you finished? Well, I finished about 9 o'clock last night. And I was shot, i got to say. I was physically shot. But this is kind of funny. When I showed up at 2 yesterday afternoon, I said it would take me an hour tops to uh, finish my piece. So is there anything else you'd like me to do? <laughs> Yeah. So at nine, when I finished, I still hadn't done those other things that I had promised I would do. And so I was working on those to about 11. And I literally was just uh, hammered at that point and had to go. Yeah. Um, and I came back today with the idea that I would help light my own piece. Um, and so I did my own and realized that there was no one that was here to light everyone else's work. So I started just continuing and I kind of looked at it as sort of triage like yeah. okay yeah. where's the darkest parts of the place yeah. and I lit those and then I went okay what's the next darkest place and went and on and on and on and you know I, I feel like there's still a, a good many pieces that need to be uh, better lit uh, yeah, but at least you know, un- they're underlit at the moment and they need to you know to be addressed but um, at least everything sort of wasn't in the dark right. as it was earlier. But I got to say, at 4 o'clock, you know, people were showing up at 5, at 4 o'clock, that whole back area, that back hallway was dark. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, absolutely pitch black. 
I got into this. Little, I got into our little uh, I nest some here and, earlier. Like I got here earlier than, than we had planned, just to drop a guest surprise guest off, and came in. It was one of those where you're just like, oh, yeah. Well, and, I got I got in tech purgatory went off and on the last couple of days. It was just prepping to do something different from what we're because you've got basically a Todd Rundgren utopia setup going. Yeah, yeah. it's like. You like Todd Rundgren? Yeah. Yes. Why is he not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That's a great question. I don't know. Probably because he's opinionated. He's a really... So he worked with the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the arc of that career, yeah, it's like he's done everything. I think George Harrison actually said, I'd like for you to work with Badfinger. Which is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he worked with Badfinger, and then, but... And then look where that went. Sent them. That's a saga. Oh. So, what does he consider success? Having weed every day. <laughs> well, you were so, yeah. So, so I got a book, book. His autobiography. <laughs> I love and, it. And it was inscribed. Yeah. What did it say? So, you, you think I'm surly? You know, I got a stack of books from Todd. <laughs> Todd. And, uh, and, 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 See, he and, travels to Woodstock, New York to go to the barn, Levon, Levon Helms Bond. Levon. For a while he was called Levon, and really? then it was back to Levon. Levon. Yeah. Levon. Levon. It was interesting, like, a few weeks ago, and I'm going to forget all the names, and even, uh, so I hate even bringing this up, but there were a number of. Um, musicians who died <laughs> could be a great story yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah, really yeah, yeah. I forgot every part of it oh, but I'm gonna bring this up <laughs> but there were like three musicians who died in succession yeah and the names were totally foreign to me completely foreign I didn't know who they were or what they did until they started playing the songs that they had contributed to in some way the drum player of one the writer of another this uh, and you know, you just think, holy crap! These people. Who, do you remember are, any of the names? Or, um, well, or Rick Ocasek is is yeah, uh, the obvious. Yeah, that was an and obvious then, one. But it, it, in um, his case, I knew the name. But it was more like people who played background in like. Jeez, uh, uh, this is terrible. This is why I shouldn't have brought it up because I really can't give you. Don't worry. So like but, session musicians or like that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. they were session yeah. musicians who played with so many people and contributed to so yeah. many songs and they were just highlighting their career and you go, holy crap. Yeah. They were right there in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I, I, even now, even after being moved by their story, don't remember who they are. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting thing that, like, you know, that's going to happen to a lot of us, I assume. <laughs> Session players, are, I mean, that, talking about unsung heroes, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like musicians know them, and people that like read lighter notes. Yeah, that's true. You know, but it's not a bad gig. Now that think about it. You know, I think that there's there's a niche of people who know exactly who played. You know, and it's interesting. It's like a lot of times I'll say to my wife, you know, like, oh, that's the movie that so and so directed, and she's like, why do you care who directed it? And I think that I do care who directed it because that matters. Yeah. You know, if someone directed a movie, that you're more likely to like it if you like their what they've done before. In the same way, if someone's contributing something, 
and you know that person and trust that person, you're more likely to... You know, I'm that way with key grips. Key grips and uh, best, oh, boy, best boy. Gaffer, man. Gaffer, Gaffer will make or break the production. Yeah. I'm Gaffer. Gaffer. You'll know. I'm Gaffer yeah, today. Yeah. He does Gaffer the hell out of uh, I'm sure that matters to the directors. I'm sure directors yeah. talk yeah. about this. Yeah. You know, um, like, like seeking out a certain yeah. Gaffer's work. He's going to lick us. He uses too much tape. Um, that's interesting though because like you know it's always weird how like you get this division between like visual arts music writers but but film film like you know you think of Scorsese and like soundtracks alone like what he's able to just mm. with just what he can do with us with music T-Bone Burnett like is yeah. a genius mm. but like is does film like maybe influence you more than music or uh, I would say yes uh, but you know, I don't think either of them are huge, huge. Uh, you know, I'm not like a. Uh, like I, I've never heard any... you talk about music. Like I don't know what you listen to. Are you listening I'm to so Manuro when you're driving home? You know, like... I, I'm probably really. That's good. Like, that's good. I, I listen to podcasts mostly. You know, I don't like really... Brain Fuzz. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big. Do you listen to the Craig Drennan one over and <laughs> over again. I don't like Brain Fuzz. I can't believe you said that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, and I listen to. Uh, uh, NPR and uh, like when you work. When I work, I don't listen to anything. Really, silence? Yeah. Are you serious? I'm serious. Always. Some people would not be always. so afraid of being alone with their thoughts. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> That's cool. That is cool. Yeah. I, I mean, occasionally I'll put on a, a book on tape or, uh, or podcast. How I'm do you listen to like, like I'm. I'm Thinking like I can understand it like when you're prepping, like Jesse, but like when you're making creative decisions, you can listen. Is it because it gets you out of body? Yeah, I just. Yeah, I just. It, or it's just like you might not be paying attention. It's just there. It's, it's just yeah. I numbs think you. Yeah, I. I think it's like driving a car. You know, you got the radio on, but you're still paying attention to the road. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's been any different. Yet. No, I think that's fascinating because I, I think of uh, there's I can listen to like podcasts for certain tasks and then there's other stuff where it's like it's got to be music that I know well enough that I'm not like what the hell is that effect on that snare drum or like what's he saying or um, we've, we've had people tell us that they like this podcast when they're in the studio because it's just kind of like a conversation yeah, it's yeah. kind of happening in the room sure and that helps them work in some way. Yeah. Um, I will to say me, that. it tends to be a little distracting when you go. Uh oh. I got some professional oh, paparazzi. We got. Oh, we got. Oh, we got. Oh, we hired for Georgia State to take. Oh yeah, is he really? So, all, right. all right. So now <laughs> no, we're, no, we're, we're going to be candid. Right. We're going to be candid. Okay, he's gone. <laughs> he's, uh, uh, he's gone. I think they literally were just like doing a cattle car to get people. Well, out did of you here. see? The, uh, was that what that was? Oh, there are. There's definitely a uh, yeah, there's volume moving. Yeah. Um, but I, I used to listen to a lot of Philip Glass in the studio, oh, yeah. and the reason being that I just liked the monotony. Like I didn't. There wasn't like I'd have high points and low points. It's always the same. So it gets you to the zone. <laughs> yeah. I, I had this. Whenever I hear his music, it's funny. It's there's a CD from our our man in South Georgia. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which he gifted me with, but. Uh, 
I always think of him now when he talks about himself driving a cab. Uh, and having had family members driving checker cabs in New York, you know, I'm thinking Philip Glass driving around New York and making that music. Can you imagine? Yeah. A of the humanity traffic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. Uh, but what's funny is Philip Glass, even, there are certain periods where you're like, okay, that's a little too much right now. True. It, it, and then, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a little too, like, it engages the brain too much that yeah. you can't get in the state of flow. But it is this sort of repetition thing. So even if yeah. it builds, it, then it ebbs and then builds again and ebbs. And, and so it might jar you for a second, but then it sort of like uh, goes back into a sort of a different kind of monotony. Yeah, a different kind of monotony. <laughs> Ooh, that's a title. I love that. Yeah. We need we need more monotony, I think, in this world. I think you need whatever you need. I mean, you okay, know. you're right. <laughs> no, but no, you are right. You are right. No, I mean, like I, sometimes I jump. Like, years where, like you know, like I, I, I like for instance, I, I run and bike a lot. I don't. I certainly don't wear headphones biking, but um, even running, like I, it's now it's silence. Is it? And that's the quiet time. Because it yeah. was too after a while, like, and, and iPods dying, and now we're not making iPods, and I don't want a phone. Um, and it's just like then I got to think about what I want. What, what's the playlist, and what's the what's the heart rate? Yeah. yeah, like you know what? I just want to go that's run. That's true. Yeah. You're true. right, and just be absolutely. Si- yeah, yeah. Because yeah. all day, like especially artists, you know, like you're in a studio, and it's it's constant. What do you want to listen to? I don't know. What do you want to listen to? Yeah. And if it's getting in the way, I don't know. Like I said, I I have a a good friend that listens to like basically the same record that came out in eighteen seventy something in the studio. What record? Uh, yeah. Television. Rocky Moon. Okay. And that's like the entry point, and I get it. You know, like cognitive therapy. You know, like yeah. EMDR. Like I understand. I get that. Sure. And you know, like, it's you like know, the Pavlov's dog. Yeah. Can you tell me? This is the perfect question for. Oh, we're screwed now. Oh, we're what so screwed. What the hell is the name of that dog? Pavlov's dog. Pavlov's that's dog. great. No yeah. one knows the You're damn right. name. I could Google it, but I don't want to. I don't know. Of course. It is what? Fido. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's Rex. <laughs> it probably is like. It's yeah. probably something simple, right? <laughs> what is the Pavlov's dog? Does he not have his own identity? Oh, Brian Hitzelberger. <laughs> wow, some Athens royalty walking by here. UGA, man. We need, like, do we have a fight song? Is this the show? Yeah. Yeah. Was there like an Athens shuttle? There wasn't either? a big UGA contingent here that time. Why is there not a shuttle between Athens and oh, what the art? There was going to be high-speed no, rail. Come on, it comes up yeah, every couple of years. How, how long ah, have they screw been the rail. We're not going to have that. They don't even have a road that Light doesn't... Light rail. <laughs> is there like a cattle prod out there? Like, people are running. Well, I think they are trying to uh, usher in an exodus. Uh, usher in an exodus. Yeah. No, so uh, for so for the uh, for the people listening, Stuart Harrod at the moment and in, in the future, Stuart just walked in. Stuart Harrodner and um, picking up a conversation with Joe Perugini. Said like a true Jersey Italian. Did I do okay with that? Perugini. Did yeah, I do? It's like Jimmy Ivey. But I don't. <laughs> but I don't. This is amazing. Huge. He, he said it eight times. Was, eight times. Huge. Huge. <laughs> and then he was Houston? pointing out Houston. 
Do you? He's a New Yorker. He doesn't get it. So it's a Jersey thing. If you were to go to that oil-rich city in Texas, yeah, Houston. It's Houston. Yeah. If you're from. So he was asking. Yeah, but if I spend five minutes back in New York, I'll be calling it Houston with no age. Okay. <laughs> but what about Houston? Well, well Houston, Houston, Mill. Houston Street. <laughs> so how does that happen? I don't know. I live in a place where where there's a town near Lexington. Uh, it's called Versailles. Anywhere yes. else in the world, it's Versailles. Well, we like, you know, yeah. or a block <laughs> yeah. off of Ponce de Leon. Or, that's right, Lake Pettit. <laughs> As opposed to Lake Petit. Actually, I'm going to move. Okay, we need to rein this back in. Oh, do we really? <laughs> This is about as rained as it ever We're gets. We're going to do the talk tonight. That's the whole point. <laughs> and we could simulcast the talk, and then you're done. Simulcast. You can sleep in, go to brunch. Uh, yeah, why don't we just go ahead and do the talk now? I'm not sure what we left out of the last conversation, but whatever. <laughs> so, uh, Stuart, did you expect to be hanging work when you no. got <laughs> I did, however, look at you, look at Scott, look at William Downs, and remember those moments of absolute in the weedsness, and just thought, when in Rome, you know, like, <laughs> help your friends hang some stuff. I was just saying that I just felt like I was doing triage. You know, like, you were. What, what is absolutely black that I have to, like, put light on? <laughs> and then I'll go to the next thing. And then, and well, I mean, I think is. I said earlier, I think I said it, but if I didn't say it before, I meant to, and I'll say it now. I mean, you know, like, to turn around and see what you made, which was ambitious as all get out, and William and some other people, and then, like, okay, it would be easily enough to go, I've done my thing, I'm going home to shower and relax. And, you know, you were working... On everybody else's thing, in that, like, I'm all in with my friends, and this is what you do, which is fabulous. The other day when I was here, like, seriously, I gotta tell you, I'm in here doing my little thing. You had such purpose and drive when you came in, focus. When you came in here and you started to hit the electrical, and it was like you had, and you were not afraid to just jump on the electrical. Which that would it was pretty. If it's one twenty, I'm not afraid to do that. There's a few that were like, yeah, I'm not touching that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that doesn't look one twenty. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, just because of the plug it's plugged into is. I, I mean, I was going really base. But, so I know, but I'm always like, you know, you, you, I don't know, I live in an old house, I'm like, you know, I know. No, I know, but I, I, in terms of the purpose, you know, I feel like that's how you get stuff done, you know, you, you kind of enjoy the, the uh, ambient, the, you know, your friends and stuff, but when it's time to get something done, you turn, put on the hat and you do it. You were just listening to a live stream recording of Brain Fuzz on site from their residency at the Temporary Arts Centre in Atlanta. Subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast platform, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher. Thanks for looking through the window.